Okay, so we're going to pick up with part two of Lose Control. Um, in case there's any bit of time that's passed between listening to part one and listening to this one, just to get you caught up. Basically, I'm just I'm talking about getting to a place of really embracing my insufficiency. And again, I don't, I don't believe in any way. I'm not trying to present this as a new idea or something I haven't been talking about endlessly in different ways and, and within different events of, of life or uh, scriptures and, and Bible study. And, you know, this is no new thing. But it just continues to ring true in all the circumstances of my life of embracing my need and my dependence upon God. And I just believe, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that this is a message that the church that's on the earth in this hour, I, I am just convinced that that is what the Spirit is saying. We're not trying to add to Scripture. We're not trying to make our own Bible verses, but I just believe if there is a chapter in the book of Revelation that that John the Revelator saw and and recorded, I think it would say to, to the church, to the angel of the church of 20th century Christianity, you have forgotten that you're not supposed to be self-sufficient. You've forgotten your depravity. You've forgotten your desperation. You've forgotten your need. I'm convinced that's what we can say is true and is what the Lord is speaking in this hour. And so I, I started to share what happened a couple days ago with my son when I was pulling into my driveway in our truck and I hit our wellhead. If you don't know what that is, that's a very large, I mean, it could be like a 20-foot steel pipe that goes down into your ground and emerges out the top, has a steel cap on it, and it sticks out of the ground, you know, about 18 inches or so. And it's pretty stout material. I mean, it's it's hard. <laughs> And my truck hit it, and as I was explaining, my son, who, because I'm in my yard, was not buckled in. He was actually standing up to get out of the truck. He was thrown forward when I hit that, and he hit the windshield and was not harmed. Um, He was fine and is fine here now. Um, 48 hours plus later. And I'm just thankful. And again, as I was saying in part one, I'm just, I'm just captured by God's kindness and His goodness to us. And the, the Scripture tells us that it is His kindness, it is His goodness that leads us to repentance. And that's why it's so important that we see God as He is. I mean, let me just interject that train of thought is does not most of our existence as humanity boil down to how we see, perceive, know God? You have a large 
amount of people, of course, on the earth right now who just do not believe in a one true God. They don't even believe He exists, or at least would say that, because that's just more simple to just state clearly that I just don't believe there is God, so then there's really nowhere to go from there. There's no... I don't need to explain myself or elaborate or anything. Oh, I just don't believe. Next. And then there are many who would say, yes, I believe there's God, but, you know, and then they would proceed to tell you their version, their understanding of who God is. Well, I don't believe that he would send people to hell, or I don't believe he would judge all of mankind for their wrong for the wrongdoing, or I don't believe he's just, I, you know, well, you know, he would, he would rightly punish murderers and rapists, but, you know, come on, <laughs> he's got to be a nice guy, I mean, that, our version of God really defines much of our living, our choices, our belief system, as a whole, of, of why we do anything that we do really resides on our belief of who God is, should there be one, and what that means to me. How much of me is necessary? Now, I do believe much of me is necessary. And so in no way am I just promoting a passivity-based I don't do anything. It's all God doctrine. I'm not saying that I can't even give a poor man a dollar bill unless the spirit of the living God speaks a word to me or else I'm in my flesh if I do that. I mean, that's foolishness. We're talking about a responsible understanding of the biblical doctrine of the necessity of the spirit of God indwelling flesh and bone bodies. I mean... God has desired to move in and through men from the beginning. I mean, and that is, of course, the culmination of Jesus' coming was to indwell an innumerable amount of physical bodies carrying the ark glory of God on the earth. I have a very primary role, but it's not up to me. My primary role is to yield my will, present myself as an instrument of God's glory. That in my yielded condition, I am a vessel that He can use and the Spirit can maneuver where He wills. And so, yes, I play a primary role. And it's not just passive in the sense of I just lay back and let God just do what you want to do, God. I, I got nothing to do with it. I remember being convicted several years ago about praying that God just move me out of the way. In a, in a, at that moment, I, I thought I had a good understanding of that and that that was a good prayer. God just, this isn't about me. This is about you. Just move me out of the way and do what you want to do in the circumstance. We were going to minister to someone pray with someone, just move me out of the way. And I remember in that instance, it was probably five years ago, I remember very clearly 
being convicted of the Lord saying, hey, whoa, that's just not accurate. I'm not asking you to move out of the way. I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind was Moses when he called Moses. I mean, Moses was basically saying, hey, you got to find some other way, God. Overlook me. Pass me by, please. Don't you know who I am? Move me out of the way. Do You do what you want to do. I acknowledge you're the one true Yahweh God. You have revealed yourself to me, but you just do it. And God basically says to him what he says to us. Well, the whole point is that I don't just move you out of the way, that instead you present yourself to me as a living sacrifice unto my purposes. Prepare to be set apart unto good works for me. Me through you, carrying out my will through you and the earth. And that's a different perspective. That's a change and a shift in perspective of God, just whatever. You do what you got to do. Move me out of the way. I'm just a mere man. Again, as we talked about in the What is Man series, We are mere men. What is man? Holy cow, God, why in the world do you look at me, think about me, listen to me? Why? I don't get it. Well, I don't. But just as much as I don't, I cannot desire it to be a different way because that is the way he himself has created us to function. And so we have to embrace that, give ourselves to that, but yet realize it's only through the yielded, surrendered will that we can carry out His purposes. Not just being strong in ourselves and able. <clears throat> Excuse me, able. And so to get back real, real quick, I've only got a few moments. My son was not injured. He should have been. And so... As I've just reflected throughout that evening, Saturday evening, today is Monday, that Saturday evening when I woke up, Sunday morning I thought about it, I didn't really like talk about it a lot during our gathering um, with our fellowship at our house on Sunday morning, but during our time of just prayer and, 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 and communicating corporately with God, I was just feeling so stirred and moved on just seeing the beauty in God's design and how little instances like that Saturday afternoon with my son in that truck and hitting that wellhead and that that brief moment in time, in that moment of time, I felt helpless. Again, it had I've been in a, in a pretty bad accident before. And so... I can make that connection because it felt the same to me. I remember just feeling helpless, like, what just happened? Something so much bigger than me just happened. When I had my stroke um, back in 2009, something beyond me is taking place. I have no say in it. I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. This moment is very big. Something larger than me has got to be in place or else I have no hope. And so as I thought about that principle according to this exact circumstance a couple days ago, I just 
couldn't shake thinking about meditating on how I was in my conversation with God those hours after that accident in my yard. I was just saying, Lord, I just, I felt so vulnerable. I felt like if if something bad had happened to my son, I would have just felt so incapable of like, oh man, I want to help him. What I did feel is I, I don't want this to happen. I, I wish, how did this happen? What did I do? Is he hurt? You know, is, is my well hit busted off? Is my truck ruined? Am I injured? You know, like in this brief moment of time, I just feel vulnerable. And so as I would go through those trains of thought, I'm like, and I started the way it started was like, Lord, I just felt like I was in, I was just not in control of anything in those few moments. I was just not in control. And I just felt and heard the voice of the perfect, loving Father God just say, Joel, what you felt, what you experienced, that feeling of you're not in control, that is what is always true. That's the way it always is, son. You are never in control of anything. And that just settled deep within me. I know that. I walk in a good level of that. I'm dependent upon God. I know I am. But not in absolute depths of my soul. Not in absolute perfection. And so I just listened. I received that from my Father God. And I said, okay, you're right. God, how do I stay in that place in that level of understanding at all times. When I'm in a situation where I feel capable of handling it rightly, when I feel strong, when I feel like I can do it, whatever it is, what then? Am I dependent then? Am I desperately looking unto my Father God to be my strength then, to be my ability, to be my thoughts, to be my opinions. When I'm convinced I'm strong, capable, and able to handle a matter. Because the reality, friends, is I can't. I can't. Jesus, the very Son of God, God Himself, eternal Jesus the King Christ, had to look to heaven to know His every move. Do we understand that? Do we understand the dependence upon Jesus? Because He knew when He was in a body of flesh, He had better be careful because Jesus chose to what? He chose to humble himself, lower himself, and take on the form of a man. I have said this so many times. Jesus' sacrificial death, Jesus' surrender unto death was not limited to the cross. His 
life of yieldedness, submission, denial of himself did not start at the Garden of Gethsemane, nor did it start when he was walking down the Via Della Rosa, nor did it start when the nails went into his hands and his feet. He was a suffering servant. He was one who learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Why? Because he knew when he lowered himself, albeit fully God, he was fully man, so he had to give himself to living under the confines and restrictions of being in a natural body. And Jesus understood that because he left the highest heaven, seated and thrown as king of all the universe, to become an infant, to become in the womb of a natural woman. He had to lower himself more than you nor I could ever lower ourselves. We can never know that type of lowering and abasing. It's impossible. And so if Jesus, the very Son of God, the personification of God, made flesh on this earth, had to recognize the weakness of his flesh. He had to. He understood if he was not careful, if he didn't do what he heard the Father say and say what he heard the Father say and do what he saw the Father do, he knew he would have no chance to overcome his flesh and conquer the works of the devil. We, however, are ignorant. We think, especially in this age, again, if we go on what the Spirit is saying, we think we're capable. I have Jesus in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No limits, no boundaries, no hindrances. Look out, world, here we come. Christian pop culture, especially the music and the songs that we hear and that many of us sing, promote this idea. You are, and you're like a historical figure. You are monumental. You're invincible. You can do anything. You're Jesus in the flesh. Yes, but you're Jesus. I am Jesus in the flesh. I'm in flesh. It's not a limitation. If I live as a living sacrifice, it's not a limitation. If I live, what? What? I'm giving you a chance to think from part one. If I lose my life, if I lose my life for Jesus Christ's sake, I will find it. And so I've been captivated with the, what came out of that instance with my son of my insufficiency going deeper. The Lord saying, Joel, how you felt in that moment when you felt helpless and you could have looked over to your boy and seen a bloody face and a, and a messed up, hurt little boy. You know what? That feeling, that's what's always true. You just, you're deceived. 
You're deceived, brother. <laughs> You're deceived. We are deceived to think for a moment that we are self-sufficient. We are not made to be self-sufficient. May it not masquerade as strong, victorious Jesus men. We are living sacrifices. We are suffering servants. We deny ourselves. We pick up and carry our cross. We give our lives and choose to lose them for the sake and for the cause of Jesus so that He can live in and through us. So again, may self-sufficiency die in me. Would you give yourself to ask that question? Does it need to die in you? Are you training your children to just be strong? Be strong. Be strong. Don't you be weak now. We know Jesus. Don't be weak. No. I must be weak for His strength to come out in me. For His strength to be known. So lose control today, friends. Lose control for the cause of Christ to make that exchange. The exchanged life reality must come to the church in our age. Amen.